0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to this Ability Podcast, where we are on a mission to shift perspective, encourage others, and create community. Well, I'm excited to be joined today by someone who holds multiple track and field world records. Uh, So many that, if I'm not mistaken, he has just beaten his own records over and over again. He's also the holder of a bronze and silver medal. And Isaac, I'll just say here, a future holder of the gold medal here in just a couple months in Tokyo. Man, I'm excited. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Isaac John Paul.
1: Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, man. I'm glad to be here. Happy to be here. Man.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm excited. I've done some prep, listened to some stuff, and I'm, I'm excited for people to, to hear more about you. Now, uh, Isaac and I were talking a little bit just a moment ago. Isaac's from Chicago, and I was nervous he's a Bears fan. Uh, as a Lions fan, but I, I don't know what's worse. Uh, he's a a <laughs> native Chicagoan, if I'm not mistaken, but he's a Packers fan. Uh, so Isaac, I, I you know we'll we'll figure Dude. this. Out.
1: We'll we'll see if we can make this thing work, man. Shout out, shout out, my Packers, man. Oh. Green Bay all day, man.
0: Oh. <laughs> I mean, I I can appreciate a true fan. You know, I, I can appreciate sure. you're not fair weather. You know, you're a, you're a Packers fan, and I, I guess we can we can make this thing work. But man, thank you so much for joining me, uh, Isaac, uh, you know, w- I want to talk about where you're at currently in track and field and Paralympics and everything like that. But I'd love to start here. And, and, and this is called Disability Podcast, because I don't mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, we don't we don't just discuss our, our disabilities, but, you know, we, we learn how, how, how do we overcome that and and where are we now? So this is but but we want to add some context here. So tell everybody uh, uh, about your your vision. Kind of what happened, uh, what you can see, and then just kind of, you know, your childhood. And I'm going to interject next, ask ask some questions, but why don't we start there?
1: For sure, for sure. Um, Well, at the age of two, I was diagnosed with uh, juvenile retina schesis, which is an eye condition where the retina has cracks and detachments in the back of the eye. Um, It really affects my peripheral vision in my left eye. I have tunnel vision in my left eye, but it's my strongest eye. My right eye is my weakest eye. I have all the peripheral in my right eye. um, And then it just pretty much Mm. flip-flops when it's, when it's nighttime. So nighttime, my right eye becomes my strongest eye and my left eye is totally blind. Jeez. Um, So my entire life. So since I was two, I've I've been lived with, I lived with a disability and um, didn't really see it as a disability. You know what I'm saying? I didn't, see myself different as anyone else i just thought that i saw the world in a different lens if that Mm. makes sense yeah um so therefore like my doctors had told my parents once they diagnosed me um the doctors told my parents to allow isaac to experience life on his Mm -hmm. own don't hold his hand throughout this journey let him understand his vision understand his disability the best way he knows how Um, And that has probably been the best advice that the doctors could have given my parents because that's what my parents did. Um, I played every single sport imagined besides baseball and boxing. The two sports I really (laughs) wanted to do, my parents would not let me do. Yeah. Um, But the three sports that I did or the two sports that I really played were basketball and football. Mm. I had to like pull my parents teeth to let me play football because they were too nervous saying that oh I can get blindsided and get hit but sure I never got hit I was actually the person that was giving the hits (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) which which was fun I was I was relatively great in both of my sports but I I really gravitated towards basketball the most because everybody in my family played basketball Mm. like in fact my mom is in the hall of fame um for basketball at her university okay ironically enough it's the same university i ended up graduating from with Mm. hopes of being in the hall of fame as well that's beautiful that's (laughs) beautiful i love that that's a great story yeah yeah so um so i grew up playing basketball had dreams of being in the nba um uh all like dunking on lebron james crossing over kobe that's right you know all, all those big dreams that a young kid would have yeah and um I, I went all the way up to high school, made my freshman freshman year basketball team. And I was just like, look, I'm about to make it to the league. <laughs> yeah. There's no question about it. I'm about to be the next phenom. Um, and then I ended up getting cut time and time again. Um, my sophomore year got cut, junior year got cut, and my senior year got I got cut. And I just didn't understand why I was getting cut. I was better than a lot of people on the basketball team. And it was even crazier because some people on the basketball team were asking me, well, how come I didn't make the team? Mm. I had nothing to tell them, but every time I didn't make the team, I would always ask the coach, what is that? What is something I could work on to better my chances to make the team for the next following year? Mm. And they would tell me something and I would like work on it day in and day out for the following year. Like, that's all I worked on because I really wanted to be on the team and I knew I was good enough, you know. And I knew I was better than a lot of people, so I was just like, "Man, if I just work a little bit harder, I there's no way I'm not going to make the team." So I kept doing that, kept doing that, and I kept getting cut. And then um, at one point, I was just like, "No, forget basketball. I need to find something else." Hmm. My grades, my grades weren't good enough to go to any universities because I barely showed up to class. I didn't, I didn't really feel felt like I fit in with my classmates. Yeah. Um, due to my disability yeah um in fact when i would i would be at school i had things that were so much enlarged like my yeah. my textbooks were like 10 sizes big <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. took over the whole desk right and i would have to like use a different locker for each different book you know what i'm saying and mm. instead of being a classmate i started to feel like a spectacle because everybody would look at me and look at my tools and be like, oh, shoot, what is that? Like, oh, shoot, mm. you know? And I just didn't like that type of attention. because yeah, that's, that's not like, the
0: attention you want in high school. Yeah, like, Everyone yeah. wants attention, but not, not that.
1: Not in that way, mm. you know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I wanted to be like everybody else. Yes. So I, I kind of like gravitated away from school and more towards my sport because when I did sports, nobody saw my disability because mm. my talent showed like my ability to play basketball and dribble and jump higher than everybody else. Yeah. My, athletic, my athleticism was just the first thing that people saw. They didn't see my disability. And that's mm-hmm. where I felt more comfortable because that's where I fit in. You yeah. know what I'm saying? This is where I feel normal and accepted. And, um, you know, didn't know anything about the Paralympics at this time. Didn't know too much about track. Um, this is still like high school and my senior year in high school I'm watching tv with some of my buddies and whatnot and we're watching uh Devin Hester he's yep. running a split image <laughs> you know it, I think you were you you know the story right kick Where, returner um, yeah yes sir you know because I feel like I remember him in Madden.
0: Madden uh yeah that's frustrating <laughs>
1: but we and get it all right Devin Hester yeah. go ahead <laughs> He was kicking your you guys' butt. You know? I get,
0: bro. Come on, I get it. I don't have to relive this, man. Hey, he he gave it to us too. Man. He gave it I to. Got us too. I got you. I got you. At least we can unify in our hatred for the Bears. You know, exactly. Like, we got that in common. We'll take. I'll take right. whatever I
1: can get. <laughs> there you go um but um i think i was watching something on espn yeah and it was uh sports science that's what it was yep. and it showed devin hester racing a cheetah <laughs> in the miles per hour yeah and you know i'm i'm just a natural competitor yeah yeah and i believe i can be the best at everything i do if you give me an idea of how to do it i bet you i can be the best at it right yeah. so i told my friends i was like devin hester's not fast i'm faster than devin Hester. <laughs> And my friends looked at me and they were like, what are you talking about? I was like, I can beat him in a race. He's not the fastest man alive. You know, I am. And, you know, at the time, I'm like this five foot, like eight big head, like glasses and like uh, 125 pounds soaking wet kid. And I'm saying, oh, I'm the fastest man alive. Yeah. And so, you know, they were like, you're not fast. And I was like, like, okay, how about this? You guys get in your car right now and you drive 25 miles an hour. I bet you I can beat that car. They looked at me and even more aston- astonishment because they were like, okay, you lost your mind. It's like 10 degrees below zero and you're talking about racing a car at 25 miles yeah, an hour. Yeah, yeah, you're, right. You're out of your mind. And I was just like, yeah, I can do it. And they kept on saying, no, how about this? Try it for the track team. Beat the fastest kid at the school who's on the track team. And then we'll say you're fast. Mm. And I was just like, you know what? I take that bet. bet. Because I want to show y'all yep. I can actually run. So, first day of tryouts, I'm there at track uh, track tryouts. And um, they're doing testing. Now, they're testing the broad jump, the vertical jump, and the 40-yard dash. Now... I, show, I come from a basketball background, so I'm wearing the baggy shorts, sure. tennis shoes, you know what I'm saying, and a long white t-shirt, Right, and everybody looks at me, and they're like, who the hell is this kid? Yeah, You know what I'm saying? People You're about to find that. out. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, y'all about to find out, man. That's right. Who the fastest kid? So I started looking around, I'm like, who's the fastest kid? I want to know who the fastest is, That's man. right. Point him out. Right. <laughs> you know? Because I'm I'm only here to tell show people that I am the fastest guy. At the I school. love it. So the first the first uh test we did was the broad jump, and I think I jumped like 10, 10 feet. That was the uh, yeah. furthest broad jump. Um, the school I mean not the school record but the furthest broad jump that either any track athlete Jeez. jumped that that uh that year. Yeah. Then we did the um vertical jump, and then I I I had the highest vert, vertical jump. And then now the time is here. We're about to get ready for the 40 yard dash. And I'm looking, I'm trying, I'm still trying to figure out who the fastest kid is. Like I'm trying to like look at other people's body language, like, okay, nah, he's not fast. He got his shoulders like it's all slumped over. Oh right. uh, no, nah, he's not fast. He doesn't even look like he wants to run. Mm. And then I I locked eyes on this one kid and I was just like, yeah, he looked like he can be fast. Let me keep my <laughs> eyes on him. You know what I'm saying? So he and finally, it's his turn. Now, everybody, you know, I was right because people's reaction to him uh, starting at the line was like, "Okay, here it comes. You know what I'm saying? He's about to run fast. You know, everybody's attention was locked on him. So he runs. Boom. The clock stops. It says he runs like a four, six, eight or something Mm -hmm. in the forty. So I'm like, okay, that's fast. That's fast. Four, six, eight. Everybody's like, oh my God. Right, right. Like, you know, riled up because he ran so fast. Right. Now it's my turn. You know, I'm wearing these basketball shoes, you know, my basketball tire. You feel me? Yep. And so the the clock goes ready, set, and then boom, I take off. I'm just running. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how I'm looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Run, you know? And then the clock stops. And then the coach looks at me, he looks at his stopwatch, he looks at me again, and he doesn't say anything. And I get closer, and he was just like, you just ran a
0: 4.58,
1: the fastest time anybody's ran. That's like, combine this numbers. That's like NFL yeah. combine numbers. That's crazy. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, I don't even know what that means. I sure, just know yeah, that yeah. I ran faster than yeah. the fastest guy, right, you know right, what right. I'm saying? Right. So I'm just like, all right, cool. And he was like, if you don't continue with track, I'ma choke you. <laughs> and then this is a big football football coach. Yeah, you yeah. Know yeah. What I'm saying? all the track coaches back at high school were, you know, the football coach. Gotcha. So I'm looking at this guy, and I'm just like, well, hey, say, say no more.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where
1: I sign up, boss. <laughs> yeah,
0: bro, I love that. I want to go back real yeah. quick because, like, like there's there's a world where you get cut from the basketball team three years in a row, like. Yeah. I mean, there's a world where you're like, all right, I'm staying home and playing video games, you know, like, do you think it was, you you know, you're, you talked about your parents saying, Hey, let's just give him, give him a great life. And that's interesting that that was what, you know, your, your, your parents told you from that experience with the doctor. Cause I don't feel like that's often what happens. I think it's just like, you know, here's some bad news. Good luck. Uh, But for the doctor to say that, I feel like that's a really powerful tool that they gave your parents, but there was obviously like this crazy drive in you to like, all right, like, uh, I know I keep getting cut and what's beautiful is like <laughs> you kept improving. Uh, I, like, all right, coach, like I want to make it next year. What's going on. And if I heard correctly in another conversation, Isaac, uh, I'd love you to speak to this. And then just that drive inside of you, but it sounds like you, you actually didn't make the team and it was because you were a liability because of your vision.
1: Yeah. yeah. Jeez. yeah. I
0: mean, that that's, that's not, uh, you can understand now, I'm sure being more, m- more mature and looking back and I guess you can probably understand, but Boy, in the moment, what a what a gut wrenching man telling someone, especially someone who has the drive like you, like you can't do something. I I I gotta imagine that uh, that doesn't make you feel very good.
1: Yeah, man, it didn't at the time, you know. And even if if I can even rewind even further back when I was a child, like I just always remember, or I always told myself that I was gonna be something in life, like something great. That's beautiful.
0: Gosh, I love that so
1: much. And uh, I, it's hard for me to quit, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's really hard for, for me to quit something that I enjoy doing, that I love doing, and that I feel like that I haven't reached my potential yet in, you know what wow. I'm saying? And um, so with that being said, like, it was just something that I was birthed with, you Jeez. know what I'm saying? Yeah. It wasn't anything that was taught to me. It was just something, ever since I was a kid, that I knew that I was going to do something great and be something great. And Mm -hmm. I knew that it was going to be something athletics. Of course, I thought it was going to be basketball. And then the crazy part is I legit in my junior year, I remember having this uh, list of goals and on this goal list had make it to the NBA, make my parents proud, be in the Mm -hmm. hall of fame, uh, go to my mom's college and play basketball and wow. lead the team in scoring. All of these things centered around basketball. Make the yeah. Olympics was one of them. Wow! <laughs> this is junior year of my uh, high school. Uh, high school, and I had this goal list, and legit everything on that goal list ended up transcending into track and field. Wow! I ended up going to my mom's university you know, becoming a five-time All-American national champion within the time that I was there. And potentially, you know, hopefully Lewis University, yeah. home of the Flyers, you know, <laughs> inducts me into the Hall of Fame. You know, That's I right. would love that. That would be like the biggest honor I would ever receive in no, my man. life that happens. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just always had that feeling. But to go on to being that liability part, um, even now, I, I, I begin to go through certain things and starting to mature in different ways mentally. And, you know, there's two sides to every every part. Yeah, because I can't just sit here and say, oh, it's solely my my school's fault for saying, oh, I'm mm-hmm. a liability. Sure. Um, because I also played a role in that, too. I didn't want to wear my sports goggles. Mm. I didn't do what I needed to do in the classroom. Sure. Uh, and all these other things. So I also played a role into me probably not making the team more so than just being a liability. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I don't want to just say, oh, they." the only reason why I didn't make the team is because they didn't want me on the sure. team, which in, in, in a nutshell isn't entirely true you know mm-hmm. there could have been other factors but that is one of the situations that happened and that was brought to light because that's what happened you know yeah. what i'm saying that was, yep. was said and that's what was done and um it's unfortunate but if it wasn't for that i would have never discovered the track and field and impact the world the way that i can with doing this sport versus being a basketball player Man, where yeah. i have to That's where I had to share the where I had to share the court with five other people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right here is just like, Isaac, this is you versus Mm -hmm. you. And the world is going to experience you by yourself, the rawest form of you. So I rather have that than, you know, I love basketball, but I love impacting the world the way that I am with doing what I'm doing now. Versus just playing basketball.
0: Well, that's amazing, and I, I'm excited to see you in Tokyo. But I was watching, you know, when you broke your world, your own world record, if I have it right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was such a what an incredible moment! Like hearing, hearing the crowd, hearing the competitors, like seeing, or excuse me, the, the yeah. commentators, and then you, it, they even made a comment about like the other competitors were like, "Oh my gosh, like what yeah, can this yeah, man just yeah. do." That's so. Awesome, and, and it's interesting. I, I there's a I haven't read the book yet. I listened to a podcast recently. I think his name is David Nurse. I, he was actually gonna. He was um he's like a shooting coach in the NBA for uh, he was for the Suns for a while, I believe. And anyway, mm-hmm. his his uncle coached the Raptors. I think. Anyway, um he just wrote a book called Pivot and Go because it was you know kind of a basketball type book. And I just love the act of that pivot. Right, that's a basketball move that if you you know you you pivot properly. Uh, that's going to set you up for a better shot, better pass, yeah. whatever it might be. And I love that you were able to pivot. You know, you didn't allow, you didn't meet your goals essentially on that piece of paper. Essentially, your goal, you didn't go to the NBA. Like you didn't even make college ball. Like right, those goals right. didn't happen. But you were able to pivot because there's something inside you. And I think there's there's a, so many lessons that every single person listening to this right now, including myself, can learn. Because bro, I have moments all the time. I'm I'm 29. And I thought there, my life would be completely different right now. I'm so I have a, a wife and two beautiful babies. They are incredible. Thank you. I mean, I, they're the they're you know they're a little crazy. They're a little wild, but you know <laughs> we, we make it happen. Matter of fact, when um uh when when I had Lex on the show afterwards, I was like, man, we'll have to come back to San Diego because my wife and I vacationed there once and we loved mm-hmm. it. We'll we'll come back. And I was like, all right, well you know y- you can babysit my kids. And so one of these days, Lex Gillette is gonna babysit. Uh, my oh, daughter so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes we'll see how that, maybe his uh, maybe yeah, yeah. his girlfriend can help him out
1: but yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely.
0: uh but i had to i'm still figuring out clark you got to pivot you know like okay everything didn't happen how you wrote it up when you were 22 <laughs> but it's like what if you know and just i'm gonna steal what what david nurse says in this podcast is like his his mom told him like hey once one door closes four more open you know what I'm saying, yes, and I've always does. heard it's like yes, it once does. one door closes, another one opens. But uh, it was just something about his mom going, you know, listen, one door closed. He got he went to he wanted to go in the NBA. He he was he was playing in Europe, and then he got cut, and that was the moment one door closed and four opened, and that can happen for it happened for you. It it, it can happen for me. It can happen to every single person listening to this podcast. So I just love that that pivoting. But I want to continue uh, talk talk to us about college. So you go to college. Track and field. Talk to us about your coach a little bit uh, and kind of, you know, how that got you to the events that you're performing now and and some of the world records and and things like that.
1: Yeah, man. So, man, college, man. uh, First and foremost, um, I would like to say that I am very blessed and very lucky to have the coaching um, that I've been um, able to have thus far. You know, from high school and uh, throughout college and even now as a professional, um, I'm so blessed that I had these coaches, first and foremost. So I got to give that shout out to Rocco Odo, you know, (laughs) home of the Warren uh, Township, Warren uh, Blue Devils. You know what I'm saying? Or I think they're the Blue Demons right now. I don't know (laughs) if they changed their mascot, but Rocco Odo, man. Yeah. That was my first track coach, man. I Um, love that. Yeah. And the entire entire track and field staff um, yeah. for for Warren Township High School, and then of course I have to give a shout out to like my mom away from home. She was my first college coach. Um, home of the Harper Hawks, Renee Zellner. Uh, oh. She she taught me so much about not only being an athlete but also being a student and being involved in my on my campus. And she was actually the first people that uh, really. Push me to vote. Um, mm. so, you know, I appreciate her for everything that she has done for me. That's awesome. That is still doing for me. Yeah. I really, really love that lady. Yes. Um, and then of course, you know, Dana Schwarting, you know, he taught me so much about the sport and pretty much elevated me even further as a track athlete. Um, and he's the, still the head coach at the, uh, at Lewis university. Mm. track and field so and congratulations to him i think uh they had a a good year this past year on the woman's side so congratulations to the flyers and in current day you know tony tony campbell you know he is a three-time uh no not three-time i'm so sorry he gonna kill me (laughs) (laughs) but tony campbell is a bronze medalist in the '88. Olympic Games, okay, eighty eight or eighty four. Man, he he gonna kick me in my butt. He probably yeah. gonna make me run like yep. eight two hundreds tomorrow. Or something, yep. but uh, all of these coaches played a major role in my success as yeah. an athlete. Even even my not so good coaches um, that I've that I've encountered along the way, they also taught me uh, something about the sport um, in a positive way. You know, I also I always, I'm a firm believer that every negative um that every negative that happens to you can potentially be a positive because you learn from them yeah. Beautiful. Um, so even the bad coaches that i've uh, received over the year sure years that i've been professional um i've learned something from it about yeah. myself and also about the sport so you know it's just a blessing
0: mm. no i love that bro and and it's funny because i feel like every conversation i have it's i have this i i don't know if anyone's ever done anything like this but like there's someone behind, like someone made help, help like get LeBron to where he is. Like someone helped Brady get him where he is. And someone helped you get you where you are. Someone helped like everybody I've talked to. It's always, I've talked to a lot of athletes um, and it's always coaches. And, and there's, there's a, you know, one thing Isaac that would be inside you is coachability. Not everyone's coachable. Not everyone yeah. is like, all right, coach, like, how can I, how can I get better? Not everyone has that. So I think that's an incredible, incredible testament to you. And that's an ability that you have that you might not even realize. It's just like, Hey, I want, I want to get better. I want to be the best. You tell me like, what do I need to do? Because there's, yeah. there's people out there that, no, I got it. Like I, I am the best. Like I, I can figure this out on my own. And so I, I just love that there's always, as you go through your, your life, you can look back and man, it was 2014. When coach said this, it was man in 2012, my coach gave me this opportunity or in 2013, I just, just, that's such an incredible thing. And and again, it speaks to, we need coaches. We need people. It takes a tribe, right? It it takes a village to raise kids, but I think it, it takes a village to uh, get us to where we need to go. And oftentimes I think we coming out of a, of a pandemic, so many of us were isolated and I think that's hurt a lot of people because uh, we need each other. We, we need accountability. We need coaching. We need people to tell us the truth, right. And not just tell us what yeah. we want to hear. Um, but I just think that's, that's such a beautiful thing. Looking back at coaches and just recognizing them for, for how they helped you, you know, get, get you where you're at. So I want to, I want to, so, so now you start getting involved in the Paralympics, right. And mm-hmm. t- I want explain the high jump to people. Cause so we had Lex on Lex is a long jumper. You're a high Mm -hmm. jumper. Can you explain? And I know you do uh, you you perform in both. And I want to talk about because I know we're we're going to Tokyo, baby. So we'll we'll talk about that here in a second. But talk about the high jump and uh, some of your world records and and what what your career has been thus far.
1: Got you. Um, Well, the high jump as an event in itself has to deal with. um, Jumping over something. Um, it's not the pole vault where you see the person running with a huge stick and then putting the stick down and leaping over another, uh, structure. The high jump is much different than that. Um, the high jump is the event where you pretty much run in an angle and you jump off of that angle over the bar backwards. And the objective is to not hit the bar or make the ball, make the bar fall. Mm. um so that is the high jump
0: so you pick a like a measurement you you you, like where do you where is the bar do you you say where you want it
1: yeah so um you do have a starting height Um, um your starting heart height can be much different from other people's it all depends on how the bar is progressed um and what did i mean what what i mean by that is that the the actual track meet and the that event in itself has a certain progression on how high the bar goes at the certain, certain measurements. Does that make sense? Yep. And um, you can go, you can start as high as you want. You can start as low as you want within that measurement. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, that's how that event works. And you get three chances to clear the bar um, at each height. You, If you clear the bar on your first try, then you go to the next height and you get a, a fresh, fresh three new chances. you got three chances to clear the bar if you miss it if you miss all three chances on the bar then you're out of the competition um but for me the event itself started when I was in high school (laughs) and um at first I was a sprinter and then my coach would put me through all these sprint workouts and I was just like I can't do this and um I see that the high jumpers they were laying down during practice. So I was like, <laughs> I want to do some of that. And I so love it. I became a high jumper. My first track meet, I think I jumped 6'2. And mm. that's that's where the coaches was like, Jeez. yeah, you're doing this event. This is what you do. You don't even have to run anymore if you don't yeah, want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I ended up going to college. I ended up breaking my uh, junior college's school record, jumping like 6'10 um, and three quarters. And then when I went over to my university, I ended up breaking that school record and becoming a national champion in the high jump, jumping seven feet three inches. So that's the highest Jeez. I've ever jumped. Yeah. And then, um, of course, as you mentioned before uh world record holder for the paralympic uh classification t thirteen for the high jump um in twenty seventeen broke the world record i don't know how many times, but I broke it a few times <laughs> and um became a world champion in that and uh world record holder in that and that's probably been like one of my favorite uh moments was jumping at the Olympic stadium in 2017 and hearing the, the crowd just chant USA. Oh, it was
0: nuts, bro. Yeah, it was. Take, it take was, us to was, that moment. Just, what was that like? Like hearing man, those it, chants and being there.
1: It was it was amazing because I hadn't had uh, a good year that year. Mm. I've been out that year. I was coaching myself. Yeah. I was also working. I was working in Rhode Island at an alternative school for yeah. court adjudicated use. Mm. Um, so I was really trying to balance, you know, um, doing that job and also being a professional athlete, coaching myself. And that whole year, I didn't even have a mark for the high jump. So, but I was, I was still able to, you know, jump because I have this sense of feel. (laughs) Mm. My coach, my, my college coach, she also helped me understand my disability as well. Coach Renee Zellner, um, she really helped me understand how I was able to do what I was able to do because I wasn't able to see the bar I just knew that there was something there that I had to jump over and she really put it in a sense where that I use my sense of feel to know where I am in space and time to really figure out the right positions to get into in order for me to jump high and get over the bar Mm. so i pretty much used that whole idea ideology and i was just like i know how to do this i know what how to do it the way that it feels right um so that entire year i didn't have a measurement for for my wow. approach and so world championships um i was just like man just go out there and jump like you know that you can jump high despite the yeah. wherever you are you know what i'm saying you have a you have a good idea of where to be. Um, And if you just do that, you can win this meet. And so that's what I did. I just went in there. I was just like, just jump. And I jumped. (laughs) Yeah. And I was able to jump high enough to break the world record and put on a show for all those fans. And that was, that was fun. They need to bring that. They need to bring the high jump back in my classification because I know the fans will love that. And, If they did that, it would be a great opportunity to compete with other classifications that do the high jump, that offer the high jump. And there's some good high jumpers out there in the Paralympic world, so I think that would be good for the sport if they – Try to bring back my high jump for the so, T-13 class.
0: Okay, I was about to say. So for T-13, they don't have the high jump. And T-13, yeah. for those who, who don't know, there, there's different qualifications based on how sighted mm-hmm. someone might be or or what the level of disability might be for, for a Paralympic athlete. So what, what did you qualify for then? Because I know you're going to Tokyo. Uh, what, yeah, are, so what event?
1: I'm doing the long jump um where i'm ranked first in the world in the long jump for okay and, all right yeah yes sir yes sir all right um, i mean i
0: knew i was talking to a stud but i didn't know you're number one all
1: right isaac <laughs> let's go let's go yes sir yes sir and then um, i'm also doing the 100 meter uh dash i started this year i started training for that this year Dang. and i'm currently ranked number two in the world in the in the 100 100 meter dash
0: all right. And th- this is T13. Yes. Yes,
1: sir. Yes, sir.
0: Uh, all right. So for contact, what's Lex? Do you know Lex's?
1: Lex uh, is? Lex is T11. T11. Totally blind. Totally blind.
0: Got you. Uh, man. All right. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little pumped up. Just uh, I'm, I'm very excited. You know, this this so world good. that I'm entering into uh, of, you know, I I've, 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 I've talked to Steve Serio. Steve Serio is the captain of the, the men's Paralympic basketball team. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just, I just want all these guys. I, like, I want you to get goals so bad. I told Lex, I was like, let's, let's bring oh, home the goal. You know what I'm saying? Like, is, let's do it, man. Sorry. Like, like, let's, let's do it. And I want, I want that for you so bad. So I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting excited. And you're gonna have, a, you're gonna have a crew of fans here in, in Michigan. And we won't root for the Packers, but uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll root for IJP. All right, we'll, we'll make Alex, it happen. I
1: appreciate. Well, I, I want to
0: segue it. quickly, man. And, and uh, I want to, I, I know you coach students at san diego state or, or you have but i think there's something so beautiful about that because you've talked about how great coaching has been for you but what has your experience been as a coach what what are what are you getting out of it what what have some of those experiences been uh coaching some some athletes and if i'm not mistaken th- these are other these are people with disabilities correct yes sir yes amazing
1: sir. talk to us um uh this experience has been nothing less than rewarding mm. Um, like my experience with coaches, I I'm I'm a I've always grew up with this thing about paying it forward. Whatever is given to you, make sure that you do your best in giving it back. And um, a lot of things happened to me in my life, and especially the later half of my 20s. You know, a lot of things has happened to me where. I feel like change has to happen. Yeah, And change within my community is the biggest thing that has to happen. You know what I'm wow. saying? So yeah. Um, with what was being done to me, I wanted to make sure that no other person within my community has to be treated that way, mm. has to feel the way I felt. And so the only, and, and don't get me wrong, I wanted this wasn't the the first thing that came into my mind about how I can be an implement of change. I thought that I can only change as the role of an athlete. Sure. And I soon realized that I can implement change in so many different ways. And one of the ways that I can do that is by being the role of the same person that may have caused me some type of pain or Mm. Degression, you know what I'm saying? Regression. Yeah. So I decided to coach and really look at my athletes as pieces of me. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, when I go out there and I coach those ladies, it's just like, man, I want them to succeed more than me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, I I've been telling everybody this, man. I get more excited. I this entire year there was a few meets where. I was also competing and coaching. Yeah. And I would be more excited to coach them through their events than I would be to compete for myself. Oh, that's So awesome. it was <sighs> and like watching these girls just progress and learn yeah. and actually be students of the sport. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's one thing that I had to do for myself. That's the only way that I felt that I was getting better is when I became a student of the sport where I actually knew what was going on mechanically uh technically and just like just efficiency you know what i'm saying learning and watching from other great athletes and then also i'm being coached by world world renowned athletes and coaches so what's the i can also i can i can watch And be like, okay, that's what it's supposed to look like. And I can bring it back to another community and be like, look, I know what I'm talking about because I'm around it all the time. This is what it's supposed to look like. So and I don't within our community, um, we don't get that. You know what I'm saying? We don't get the opportunity of having people that specialize in being a blind coach. Does yeah, that make sense? For real. Yeah. Or being being a coach with a disability that yeah. also has been an athlete. We don't get that luxury. So it's hard. I know for myself, when I was being coached, um when I got to the training center and I, I was part of this training group, I didn't quite fit in with that group. Even though there was other Paralympic athletes within the group, me for myself, I didn't quite fit in because one, I felt as if the attention was only given to certain athletes, and those certain athletes were able-bodied athletes. And I'm like, well, I'm just as good as them. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> you know, I need that same attention. Like, I'm, I'm mm. growing. Like, I'm new to this, and I have a world full of potential. I can be the greatest. That's right. If you just give me the time, sure. And the attention, and um, you know, I wasn't getting that, and I was, and I start to realize later on that you know um we need more individuals that are their priorities are towards the people of our community instead of trying to pick who to prioritize and be conflicted and then pick one over the other so I was just like man I can be that piece for my people Mm. and that's why I just enjoy coaching because I see I'm part of that change that I want to become Wow. you know what I'm saying and hopefully you know other athletes see because it's hard because I know I've done it myself with having a disability um we tend to accept um less than mm. you know what I'm saying just because I know for myself I accepted less than because I wanted to be accepted wow. and I didn't want to cause any type of turmoil or any type of just like friction because i already knew i didn't quite fit in that piece yeah so why try to uh, jade myself up with more friction and not fit even Mm. more you know what i'm saying by bringing shit up so you know um oftentimes you know i would not say anything and just be quiet and play the sidelines and it wasn't until i started to hate my life that I needed to change my environment and the people that was within my environment and that I allowed to be in my environment. Wow. So um, I had to switch all of that up. I had to you know, find myself again, find my identity, accept myself for who I am, because at the same time, I didn't fully accept. This is the first time that I was only looked at as someone with a disability. And the only thing that made me feel accepted and included was no longer looked at because mm. I didn't achieve what they thought was acceptable. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So I, Just because I haven't been that Olympian or I haven't been that medalist, and I'm just talking about the able body side because they're only looking at me as this disabled athlete and good, but this whole time of me being an athlete, I was the best Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know everywhere I went I was the best from high school all the way through college and even the year after college I was still like considered great yeah but now you know I get to this environment where I'm around Olympians and Paralympians mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. only there because I am a Paralympic athlete I'm no longer look my athleticism doesn't matter anymore wow. and now I'm just pushed to the side and so I had to rediscover my worth. I had to do wow. a lot of self-reflection. I had to do a lot of just like looking at myself and being okay with what I see in the mirror. You know what I'm saying? Jeez. Like I had to be okay that I'm not like everybody else and I had to not con- I had to understand that I'm not less than, I'm just different. Mm. You know what I'm saying? The way I do things is different from your normal person. And I honestly have to also tell myself, you take those that look at you differently (laughs) and you put them in your shoes and see how they live.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because
1: I guarantee you no one can live Isaac John Paul's life the way that Isaac John Paul could live it. Yeah. Because my life is for me and no one else. You know what I'm saying? So it was just like I had to understand that all over again not all over again it was just i have to understand that because it it didn't exist prior to now you know what i'm saying because i was i was i guess you would say ignoring the fact that i had a disability because nobody else would acknowledge it or i was able to like run away from it with sports hmm. but now it was funny because the same thing that i used to run away with run went away from it with is the now the thing that is I'm confronted with does that Mm, make sense yeah you know what I'm saying now the sport is like no this is who you are and I have forgotten that and so now you know going through what I went through with that coach and being able to make the the decision to get out of that that environment and put myself in a different environment and thrive I'm much happier um I'm, I'm getting better like hey bro I'm about to be the man in this thing, dog. Like <laughs> I'm about to... Bro, the way I'm about to do it is like... It's going... Like, no one else has done it. Yeah. And the way that I'm doing it is it's from the heart. It's from the soul. Like, this yeah. isn't something that you can write out and be like, oh, I want you to play this role. Like, I'm for real about to be a role model, not yeah. a model playing a role. You feel me? Like,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah,
1: really... Yeah. You know this is this is coming from the heart. You feel yeah. me? So like every time I put on my on my spikes, it's just like I'm running for for a reason. I'm mm. not just running for the 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 glitz and the glam and yeah. the the acceptance. I'm running because I know that what I'm able to display is something someone is going to be able to take and probably save their lives with. You know mm. what I'm saying? So Boy. that's the that's the beauty of being a coach, yeah, and also being and really finding my worth and really finding my purpose in this life. I really feel like God is like He had to put me through that so I can, because I remember prior to all of this, I was so focused on getting the endorsements, how to get sponsors, getting the agents. Like I ignored a lot of things. Like I even ignored the way people would talk to me and treat me. Wow. Like for example um i wear a certain uniform when i compete i wear a crop top a tie-dye crop top that says dna across the chest yeah and what that symbolizes is just confidence yeah being comfortable and i'm just an old head i love the 90s so (laughs) like that is like the goading that that's my go-to like that's where i find relaxation and tranquility is when i listen to like old school 90s music and watch old school 90s movies. Yeah. Um so you know that's that's who I am and yeah. I wanted to display to the world that you should be comfortable with who you are and despite what you're wearing you can perform and you can do anything at the highest level. And I was told through numerous people even my coach at the time um people were telling me don't wear this you can't wear this wear your USA uniform. Yada, da, 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 da. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a rebel with a cause. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided to continue to wear my crop top because it means something to me. Yeah. And I, I remember one day after a meet, my coach pulls me to the side and he's just like, why don't you just wear your USA top? Uh, these people that's like hounding you aren't asking for too much. And plus, you know, uh, it's ugly anyway. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? I, you, you look You know, I'm not going to say the what he really said, but you don't look, you know what I'm saying? And I just looked at him and I accepted what he said. I smiled and really uh, swallowed everything what he said to me and I took it in. I didn't stop wearing my crop top, but at the same time, I accepted what he said for value. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And for him to be able to do that and be my coach, and really allow me to just like strip myself of my own value and accept Mm. his value. It was just like, yeah, I, I started to lose sense of myself. So now I'm just unstoppable. I I encourage every athlete to understand their power, understand their worth because as athletes, we kind of, we forget that we have more value than we think. And just because we're not performing well, doesn't mean that we're invaluable. Because mm-hmm. if there was no athletes, there will be no sports. There will be yeah. no people with jobs. So we have to understand that, and um, you know, just do you like you put your body on the line every day. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, what I'm saying, yeah, yeah. who are they to tell you how to how to do it? Yeah, <laughs> you know,
0: that was so deep, Isaac. And I, I'm thank you, thank you for being vulnerable and going there. And because, like, I very clearly, uh, you've put in the reps. On the track and you put mm-hmm. in the time and, but I think sometimes we forget the mental side of the game. And I, I say sometimes, oh, yeah. but I think that's changing more. I, I think, I think you're starting to learn more and more about some of these high level athletes. They, they have therapists and they bring in help people to help them get the proper sleep and they counsel them. And there's a lot more about that mental health and whatnot. And I just wanted to say this, this quickly. Um, I read a book recently by someone named John A. Cuff. It's called Soundtracks. And Um, he's a music guy. Actually, you'd, you'd like the book. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's about, you know, the things that you think about all the time, you know, what soundtracks are in your mind that, you know, if you're a perfectionist, you might think, man, I can't do anything. Uh, nothing's going to be good enough. So I'm not going to do it. Or man, that person probably hates me because I said that dumb thing. And that's a soundtrack that's going on, on and on and on. And then it just can ruin everything. Like everything starts with just one single thought and can land you in a, in a bad spot. So um, I, you, you've talked about, you know, your mom told you, you know, she never doubted you. She always encouraged you and you, you, you dealt with some self-doubt and some transformation. But so what, do you, what would you, talking about the mental aspect, what does what your self-talk look like now? One thing I heard you say on a podcast, you want to be the first Paralympic athlete. Uh, to go to the Olympics and win a win a gold medal there, and I don't even know how that would work, you know. that's, mm-hmm. le, but let's let's make it happen. But it seems like you've been on a journey, um, your whole life adjusting your self talk. I mean, writing goals in in high school, and man, I didn't hit them. But I'm 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 gonna. You've just said some some things in your mind over and over again. I'm just. Ha, has that been something you've noticed that? that you know, your self-talk, the, the things you think about yourself, the, the way you, you, you now, you know, I, I know you've talked about this kind of transformation you've gone through uh, over the past few years. But what does your self-talk look like and, and can you attribute that to, you know, some of your success of where you are today?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I, of course, man. Um, like I said, I'm at the top of our conversation, As I, when I was a yeah. kid, um, I always wanted to be something great. Yeah, I was never satisfied with wanting to be like the next person. So like, like for me, it's not just okay to make a team. I want to not only make the team, I want to be the best person on the team. I want to be the person that people remember, you know, because anybody can make a team, you know, but to break a world record, to have a gold medal, or break the Olympic record at the Olympic games, you know what I'm saying? Those are positions where you're always going to be talked about. Mm-hmm. And I always, in every fashion of life, whether it be my athletics or just simply encountering people, I want to leave a, a impression on them where they'll always remember IJP. And Why is that, Isaac? I, Why? Because... Yeah, talk to me. I want because I feel like what I have to offer to the world is something to be remembered. And the way yeah. that I'm trying to give give it to the world is something that people everybody should try to do. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Sure. To operate off of genuineness and just with a with a open heart, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, bro, I, I live in a in the United States of America. Yeah. And I'm a black um, young man yeah. living in this world, right? So the narrative behind of what I just told you yep. looks different for a lot of individuals. Right. Like what a black man that is 28 living yep. in the United States looks like. Absolutely. And I want to be the person to encourage people change the narrative yes change how you think about what was been told to you oh you know love it you yes know, and you know you feel what i'm saying yes like, i know you've been told in your life that you go to school yeah get a job get save money and you're going to be successful like, that is the way to be successful yeah but we all know that it's not always about going to school It's not always about getting a nine to five. You can be successful in so many different ways. But for me, being successful look like, okay, grab a microphone or dribble a basketball or Mm. run on a track. You know what I'm saying? And I want people to understand that, yes, my success is on the form of running on the track. But I also want you to understand that the reason why I do this sport is through the life lessons that this sport has taught me mm. and the experiences that this sport has given me is the reason why I am successful. And that's the reason why I don't give up or I just don't know how to give up is because of this sport. Yeah. And I want, I want also people to understand that you can find that lesson in different areas of life because although this sport has taught me something, it taught me things that I can carry with me every day you know of my life you know what i'm saying this sport taught me patience and i use that same patience when i'm dealing with my girlfriend when she's yelling at me about (laughs) keeping the toilet seat up you know what i'm saying so you (laughs) like it's it works yeah 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 (laughs) you know what i'm saying so um i hope that answers your question so well bro i mean there
0: uh, i mean there's just this is amazing uh and it's i want to say this when you were talking about you know, marginalized community, and people looked at you different. You were talking about the blind community. And I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. you could talk about this at at, at yourself as a black man in America. I just think like that, that's such an inspiring thing. And and I want to give you like a a word here. Uh, Mm -hmm. it, It seems like you're striving not for success, not just success. But I think what's beautiful about you, Isaac, is you're, 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 you're trying to live a life of significance trying to make a difference yeah.
1: and yeah. I, it's yeah.
0: inspiring bro because like again what you said you're talking about bl- a blind community but that's also black community uh it's also mm-hmm. x y you know we fill in the blank and there's marginalized and stereotypes and all that stuff and it's just your story is beautiful and you're so ins- you're so inspiring and and you know you said uh, just a couple minutes ago you said i want to be a or, or, you know i'm going to be a role model Bro, walk in it, bro. You like you are a a role model, and and I'm excited for more people to hear this. I hope people see you put the gold on, and they look you up when, you know, in in Tokyo they look you up and find you, and and you just keep making an impact because I I think it's amazing. We'll have to we'll have to do a part two when you come back from Tokyo. (laughs) You got the gold around your neck. We'll do part two, but it's funny, Isaac. You're so passionate, so fun to talk to, and there's so many layers. I want to, I want to talk quickly. Uh, you're also an author. You, you wrote a book. Yes, sir. Uh, t- t- tell me, tell me the name again. I, I, I have it. Guardians of Orisha. I, I got it yes, today. Sir. I was yes, going sir. to, uh, I was going to, I was trying to find some time to, to read it. I, I got, I read a little bit of it. Um, but yeah. what a, I mean, come on. Uh, what an interesting guy. Like just another yeah. layer that you're also an author. Talk, talk to us about that real quick. Just your writing and being an author, what the book's about, what's your drive behind that?
1: Yeah. So, yeah. the So, you know, about making change, man. Um, I wrote that book at a time of my life where, you know, um, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So, you know, I yeah. can only work out for so long because yeah. we can't even go outside. So I'm stuck in a sure. house yep. Um, with inside this pandemic, a lot of social injustices are thrown in our faces you yeah, know, more absolutely. than uh, we're used to. Yep. And so, um, And a lot of stuff, like I I ended up catching myself in a in a riot, um, got tear gassed. Mm. And um Wow. I wasn't I wasn't even trying to be there, you know. I just just so happened to be there, you know what I'm saying? So that's crazy. Um all of this stuff was happening in my life and was just moving so fast and yeah, like I had no other I didn't know how to like handle it all. Yeah. So um i'm in the house and i'm watching tv and i eventually get bored watching tv i eventually get bored of watching netflix yeah yeah. yeah. and so now yeah. i'm just stuck with my imagination and i start to create these concepts wow. and these concepts were pretty much um inspired by changing the narrative about how people see black people mm. in america yeah. And um, my first initial story was about this young boy. And a lot of it was and a lot of the stories were um, how I felt, you know, yeah. what I'm saying like pieces of me, like every character were elements of who I am. And um, I had one story that was talking about a young black boy, but that that is still a story. But this yeah. story that um, I came out with, um, I really wanted uh, to show black women in a different light. Mm. Um, just marginalized women, women of color, oftentimes they're seen as the sex symbol or, you know, this, uh, this, this vixen Um, and just overly sexualized, you know what I'm saying? And I wanted to create something that gave the young girls as growing up of women of color, growing up a different view, you know what I'm saying? Like you can be natural and you can be naturally beautiful yeah. and still ca- and have powers that can save the world from mm. evil. <laughs> wow, bro. And so, okay. And I also want yeah. to tie in, um, just tie in um, the African ancestry part yeah. and giving, you know, people history about, you know, black mythology, because sure. that's not often talked about in my community. We all, we go to school and we learn about the Zeus, the Thors, and sure. the Herculeses and stuff. And yeah, I wanted yeah, to yeah. give people, you know, a different taste. Sure. And so I, I blended the two. And and it's a it's a multi series book. After the games, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna write the <laughs> second book. And the second book, trust me, it is going to throw, bro. Just, I'm I'm going to be the next Stan Lee. I'm creating my own Marvel. You heard it here first. <laughs> all right,
0: bro. All right, all right.
1: Here first,
0: man. I I love that. What a what a sure. interesting thing to write about. And, and just letting you know, just just being used. You know, it sounds like mm-hmm. it's a book that's that can make a difference and and be impactful. Uh, that's amazing. And and I love. I'm I'm really glad to be honest with you guys that we kind of went there and and talked about some some things because it's not often. In, in a society like this bro'm I'm, I'm a pasty white dude in Michigan uh, I'm a lions fan you're a black blind guy in San Diego that's a Packers exactly. fan there, there's not anything else that can just like put us against each other but bro like I, I'm I'm honored Isaac I mean that's that true. from the bottom of my heart man I'm honored to uh, have met you have, have spoken you to, to today um listen we're we're rooting for you bro um I want I want to see I want to see you on the podium. I want you repping USA, even if you got the it's shirt so, on or not, bro. And I want gold around your neck, man. And, and we're wishing you good luck. But, bro, tell us, uh, t- tell, tell everybody where, where they can find you. If they want to follow you on social or check out the book, where can they find it?
1: Absolutely. Um, my social media, you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is IJP underscore I am. That is I A M one, the number one. That's IJP underscore I A M one, and uh, to find my oh, and also you can also find details of my book on my author page, and that is the the author Isaac Jean Paul. So that is the author Isaac Jean Paul, and you just spell my name. It's not spelled any <laughs> any yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. type of way. <laughs>
0: and we'll we'll link it in the show notes. Isaac, bro, yes, what a what a rich conversation it went down a lot of different paths. And I'm thankful for that, man. Thank you so much. We're, uh, we're rooting for you. We'll see you in Tokyo in, in just a couple months, man.
1: Yes, sir. It's all love, man. And I appreciate you even having me on your platform. And I, I can't wait for us to talk again, man.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of This Ability Podcast. I hope you are coming away from what you heard today feeling both challenged and encouraged. I hope you start to look at some of the disabilities or disadvantages in your life just a little bit differently and begin to leverage the abilities that you do have to become the best version of yourself. I would be honored if you would take a moment and hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on and share this with your friends and family. I'm so grateful that you decided to join me today and I will see you again real soon.